You are now listening to the Birmingham International Christian Church Podcast. The wrong side is it to fight for, right there. And uh, you always got to answer the question, whose side are you fighting on? You know, it's, uh, you know, I used to watch this show when I was younger, and uh, you know, it was called Fear Factor. Right, and uh, I used to love that show, and I, I believe a few of you guys know it. And in this show, of course, it was incredible because they, they used to do a lot of stunts and dares. And what would happen is the winner would get about you know fifty thousand dollars, and sometimes it'd be close to a million. Right, so pretty awesome, great show. And uh, now I used to say, man, you know, I, I used to love this because you know, as a young person, all the stunts they were doing were pretty great. You know, you always had people who were, you know, for example, you had two buildings, and you know, this guy had to either you know zip line across the other building, you know, or sometimes he's driving a car, he had to go up the ramp and into a, a pile of boxes and as a young person I'm like man I want to do that right and uh, that was a fun part about the show but then it, 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 it changes right in the show it changes and then it comes to a part where you know people have to do some weird stuff right where you know they got to eat some cow's intestines right there and I'm just like oh boy okay I, I don't think I want to join the show anymore you know um, you got people who, who, who drink you know ostrich egg uh, a raw ostrich egg I'm like oh no this is this is too much and where they draw the line is you know where, where they put you in a in a glass um, tub and, and they just they just pour a bunch of spiders inside of you and I'm just like okay this this show this, this show was a bit crazy I don't think I will enter the show I like the stunts and everything but this part I I, I don't want anything to do with it right and basically the the, the whole end of the show is that. They make you do a lot of things that you would fear, in a sense, as, a, as an individual. And uh, in a sense, in this show, you basically had to overcome your fears, right? And uh, you got when I think about fear, fear is something that, you know, have played, you know, uh, people have used for many, many, many years, right? People have played with fear for many, many years. You know, we've seen how dictators use fear, you know, to rule their people. Uh, we've seen how criminals can use fear to get what they want, right? You know, and fear has always been shown to be something bad, right? You know, they always tell you, overcome your fears, which is great and good. But fear definitely can stop you as well. But then you ask the question, when is it okay to fear? I'm glad you want to know. Let's turn the Bible to Job 28. Job 28. We've got to find out when it's actually a right to be afraid. When is it a right for us to fear? Job 28. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Written about approximately 2000 BC. Reason being is that, you know, um, some scholars say it's because, you know, uh, there's no mention of Israel. That's one of the reasons why they say it's the oldest book. And Job has a few things to tell us over here. You know, Job went through a lot of struggles. You know, if you're going through some struggles in life, just read the book of Job and it, it could change your mindset right there. In Job 28, verse 28, it says, And he said to man, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. You know, Job tells us a powerful thing over here. He says, The fear of God, that is wisdom. You know, and, and, and we, when we look at out there, there's different types of fears. But no one out there ever tells you, you got to fear God. Yep. No one ever tells you that. You know, it says having the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be a wise man, if you want to be a wise woman, fear God. Yeah. And it talks about how you fearing God, you shun evil. In a sense, it talks about how you fearing God will lead to you staying away from wickedness. A lack of fear of God draws you close to sin. A fear of God draws you away from sin. You know, when you look at the world, it's full of evil. 
we simply realize and we see today that the world has lost the fear of God. Let's turn the Bible to Proverbs 23. The fear of God. We're going to talk about the fear of God today. And the title simply is God, your biggest fear factor. Proverbs 23, we learn a few things about the fear of God. In verse 17 it says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. You know, this is, this is powerful. Solomon tells us something. He says, don't envy sinners. He talks about how we shouldn't desire the lifestyle of sinners. He talks about how we shouldn't want their lifestyle. We shouldn't want you know, the things they do. We shouldn't want or desire their freedom, there we say. Their freedom to play into sin. But it says that don't envy them, but it says you've got to have zeal for the fear of the Lord. Zeal means excitement. It means you're excited for it. He's saying you've got to be excited to fear God. Don't be excited for sin, but you've got to be excited to fear God. And it is powerful because it's kind of challenging for us to be fired up to stay away from sin. <laughs> you know, because sin is attractive, sin is, sin is pleasurable. But God says over here through Solomon, He says, no, you've got to, you know, don't envy any sinners, don't envy their lifestyle, but you've got to be fired up for the, uh, for the fear of God. I hope you fired up for the fear of God right there. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 3. We learned something over here about the fear of God. Isaiah chapter 3. It says in verse 10, Tell the righteous, it'll be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked, disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. You know, God had to tell the people of Judah, who were righteous, in the midst of all the wickedness that was happening at that time. And he says, hey, don't worry, you who are righteous, you will get your reward. Those who are wicked, they're going to get the payment. And we understand from Romans 6.23, he says the wage of sin is death. Death meaning eternal separation from God, which is hell. We send ourselves to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We, we, you know, we cited out Timothy a few weeks ago. Uh, in 1 Timothy 2.3-4, it says, God desires all men to be saved and come to know the truth. Yeah. That's God's desire. God doesn't send anyone to hell. God tells us simply that, hey, we are the ones who pay our way to hell. Over here, the Israelites were in the midst of a lot of wickedness and the few righteous people were envying the sinners. But God had to encourage them. He said, don't worry, you who are righteous, you will get your reward. And the wicked will get their payment as well. Have you lost your fear of God? And the fear of God, I'm not talking about a reverence, right? A lot of people th think about, you know, a reverence of God, which is great. I'm talking about a serious tremble. Literal fear. The same way you're afraid of dying. A lot of people are afraid of dying. The same way, you got, you got to fear God. You got to tremble at His presence. Yeah. You know, there's a sister down in Johannesburg, right? Uh, and in Johannesburg, is a pretty tough place. And the crime rate is the highest in the world, right? And the sister was driving, of course, and, you know, uh, she witnesses a robbery. And in this robbery, they start shooting as well. And she's in the car, she's pregnant. And she's witnessing all this, she's happy, she's like, oh my goodness, there's a shooting, there's a robbery. And the, the only thing she can do is pray. She says, God, if I get shot, please let it be on my arm or my leg. She was in a position where she could die and get shot. But then, uh, thank God she lived. Nothing happened to her. But then, you know, she, she was afraid. <laughs> she was afraid. And I think for a lot of you guys, you may need the brush of death just to scare you a little bit. 
you might just need to taste a little bit of death. I, I don't know. Some of you guys are just pretty lax in your lifestyle, saying, you know what, it's okay, I don't need to fear God. No, no, no. Be in a position where you're about to die. Then maybe the fear of God will come back in you. The best thing you can do for yourself is fear God voluntarily. Point number one, are you a man or a woman of integrity and fear God? Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 7. Nehemiah chapter 7. So if you're visiting, guys, please ask those who know their Bibles to help you out. <laughs> so Nehemiah 7, we learned something from Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah was a great leader. He was given a great task, of course, to build the walls of Jerusalem. And he finished it in 52 days. Which is awesome, pretty great, because we learn from you know from first one to chapter one to seven how, in a sense, he gathered all the people, he unified all the people, uh, and he was a man of prayer, and that's how he he did it. And within fifty-two days, he rebuilt the walls. In Nehemiah seven, verse one, it says, "After the wall had been rebuilt, and, and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani." along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most men do. You know, integrity and the fear of God were two character traits that the people needed in leadership. You couldn't, you couldn't just have the fear of God alone. You couldn't just have integrity alone. You had to have both. You had to have integrity and the fear of God. And integrity comes from the word integer, which means one or completeness. So to have integrity, it basically means to have your ethics and your morals matching. To have integrity means you are trustworthy with the task that you've been given. You actually do it. At the same time, you add the fear of God in there, you'll be expected to do it in line with God's will and His commandments. So the, 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 this, the, this, in a sense, this is what, this what's happening here. He says, you want to be a leader, you've got to have integrity and you've got to have the fear of God. This is what the man had to do. You know, the brothers here, you know, I, I, I got to ask you, do you have integrity and the fear of God? Do you have integrity? Are you doing what you've actually been sent to do? If you're not, you've lost the fear of God. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 1. I, I, I hope this message is not too heavy for you guys. I hope this message is not too heavy for you guys. Exodus chapter 1. The woman should fear God. And the sisters say? Amen. Alright, there we go. We got, got a few sisters who fear God. Exodus chapter 1, and verse 19. Yeah. It says, The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. I love this. It says that the, the Hebrew women, they're fruitful before anyone tells them to be fruitful. In verse 20 it says, So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. You know, the fear of God is not just for men alone. The fear of God is also for women. You know, and, and Satan has persuaded us today thinking that only men are the ones who are allowed to fear God. Only men are the ones who are allowed to preach up here and so forth. Women can preach to women. Women can preach to women. Right, you know, biblically, of course, women cannot lead a church. You know, we've seen it through Titus and Timothy. You know, uh, but a woman has authority over another woman. As women of God, you can preach to another woman. You gotta have the fear of God. And we learn something great over here because 
Pharaoh said to the midwives that whenever, because at this time he said, if any child is born who's a, is an Israelite, a Hebrew, and he's a male, he's got to be killed. But the women feared God so much, they said, you know what, we'll go against what Pharaoh has said. When you fear God, you put the word of God above anything else. As a woman, even as a man, if you fear God, you put the word of God above any other commandment that people say out there, even your own family. Are you a woman who fears God? Let's go to Exodus 18. We gotta talk about the fear of God. Is God your, your biggest fear factor? Exodus 18, verse 13, it says, the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And he stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever there is a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, what, are you, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach him the decrees and laws and show him the way to live and duties there to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials of a thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. So it's powerful how Moses, one of the things he had to use to make his decision and in, in, in the people, the leaders that he has to appoint to help him out in his load, he said they're going to be capable men. Yeah. Men who are capable of doing the task. A lot of times people want to do a certain task, but then they're not capable to do it. The Bible says you're only selected if you're capable to do the task. And it says men who fear God. The men had to fear God. Trustworthy man. And this is awesome because if you trust a person, a person who's trustworthy with the task, he's going to get the job done. Yeah. These are the kind of man that Moses had to raise up. These are the kind of man we had to raise up. And you know, as a church, you got to understand something. Everyone is called to be a leader. <laughs> Everyone's called to be a leader, right? Especially the mission team, everyone is called to be a leader. So this, in a sense, you know, this applies to everyone over here. This applies to everyone over here. You know, I, I challenge you to grow in your fear of God. If you have no fear of God, I, I challenge you to grow in your fear of God. You know, and uh, you know, we, we have great people in our church. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm fired about Paris. Paris is awesome because, you know, he, 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 you know, um, man, Paris, you know, we're in a party, you know, we're having a good time. Hey, bro, I got to confess my sin. I'm like, bro, this is not the right time, man. Bro, you gotta, there's, there's a time for everything. Okay, amen. You know, we're hanging around, having some food. Bro, I got to confess my sin. I'm like, man, okay, this guy is a fear of God. This guy wants to get open about his sin, man. Unlike me, I'm prideful. I wait 7 to 14 working days to confess my sin. You know, it's, it's, it's challenging, right? You know, I, I'm pretty prideful in individual so we've got to make sure hey guys we get open about our sins don't be the individual who doesn't fear God amen let's go to Exodus 5 a church that fears God we got to be a church that fears God Exodus 5 we learned something over here this is a very familiar story a lot of you guys know it but we'll read from verse 1 it says now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. 
but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Then it belonged to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to man, but to God. Right? We see how here all sin is against God. Verse 5, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the man who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. You know, this story is incredible. I love using this story. I preach about it throughout the entire year. And over here we see how some disciples in the church had no integrity and fear of God. They tried to lie to God. They actually tried to lie to God. And, but God takes them out and the Bible says great fear sees the whole church. You see, they, they, the whole church realized God is not someone you play with. Exactly. The whole church was like, okay, let's not mess around with God, guys. <laughs> they, they woke up. They're like, okay, guys, let, let's, let's make sure we crank our special missions. Let's make sure we, you know, we give our money. Uh, let, let, let's, let's obey God, okay? The whole church finally woke up. You know, and um, I don't know about you guys, man, but I, I, do you ever think, that you, I don't know if you ever find yourself in a position where you think, you know what, hey, God will never take your life. God can take your life instantly. He can eat right now. We've, we've seen thousands of, of scriptures like that. You know, you look at the man who, the rich um, young ruler, he had no idea he was going to die and he died that day. We look at the man who was building up wealth. He's like, hey, and let's be married. Let me, let me, let me, let me just um, save up. Let me buy bigger bonds. He died the same day. God called him a fool. You have no idea when you're going to die. So you should fear God. You should fear God. You know, you don't, you don't want to be like Pharaoh. Who's Pharaoh? In, 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 in Exodus, Pharaoh was an individual who didn't fear God. It took his own son finally dying for him to fear God. You don't want death happening in your, in your life for you to fear God. You don't want God to go so far that death has to be around for you to start following him. You've got to fear God. Let's turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. You guys still with me? Hope you guys are not afraid. We got, we, got, we got to fear God. Matthew 25, in verse 14, it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful for a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, 
you entrust me to your talent. See, I've gained two more. His most replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 24, then the man who received the one talent came, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talents in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money in deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I'll have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. Whoever doesn't have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, <laughs> pretty encouraging, right? We learn a lot of things over here. We see how the two individuals who were given certain talents, right? Uh, and it's not a talent or an ability. This is just a certain amount of money, right? And uh, they were given certain talents. And we see how these guys, it says, they put to work immediately. They didn't wait. They put it to work immediately, right? And we see how everyone gets the same reward. He says, everyone, you know, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Those who got five talents, those who got two talents, everyone got the same reward, right? And you, you, you got to see something over here. But the one who didn't work, God calls him a wicked, lazy servant. He says laziness is a wicked sin. A church that doesn't fear God is wicked and lazy. A church that does not fear of God is wicked and is lazy. They're not working. You know, you got to ask the question, have you been working? Have you been working? I'm not talking about having a job. I'm talking about, have you been about the Father's business? Have you been actually working? We see over here that God rewards everyone for their work. If you work, you get rewarded. And everyone gets rewarded the same right there. Let's go to John 15. We learned something. We got to be a church that fears God, guys. John 15. In verse 1 it says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. I like this scripture. God is saying that, Jesus is saying he's a true vine. And he's saying that disciples need to bear fruit. And he's saying that he cuts off everyone who doesn't bear any fruit. But he says those who are fruitful, he prunes, right? What, what does pruning mean? The word pruning basically means to remove any excess, right? Any, any excess branches. It, it means to be made clean. And so, so, so in a sense, the bush can be more productive and more fruitful. So what happens is that when you're fruitful, don't be surprised that you, you lose your job the next day. When you're fruitful, don't be surprised that somehow down the line, a couple of your, your guys fall away. When you're fruitful, don't be surprised a lot of bad things are happening. God is pruning you. Understand that. God's pruning you. Verse 3, he says, you're already clean because the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless it remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to a fire and burned. That's hell. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. 
This is to the preacher's glory, right? Father's glory, right? It's all we bear fruit to his glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And the church said, Amen. It says that if you're not fruitful, your salvation is on the line. I didn't say that. This is Jesus. Jesus said it. I hope you guys saw that. Jesus says, You don't bear fruit, you get cut off. You don't, get, you don't bear fruit, you get cut off, you get thrown into a fire, which is hell. Jesus is saying so fruitfulness is tied in with your salvation. It's a salvation issue for you to be fruitful. Right? And how do you so, he says, how do you show yourself to be a disciple? Bearing fruit. That's how you show yourself to be a disciple. And I, I, I encourage the church, guys, we've got to want to go out to personal fruitfulness. We've got to go out to personal fruitfulness. We've we got we to gotta show ourselves to be disciples. That's how people will know we're disciples or else we're just going to be like every other church that's out there. We just get on a Sunday and go back home and do whatever you want to do during the week. We've got to be a church that fears God. And the Bible teaches we've got we, we to gotta, we gotta work out our salvation with fear and trembling. If you work on your salvation with fear and trembling and you understand that being fruitful is part of you, is you in a sense keeping yourself saved, how is that possible? How does it work out? I remember when I was studying the Bible, I wasn't doing pretty well, not me studying the Bible, sorry, we were studying the Bible with another individual, and I wasn't doing so well spiritually at that time, you know, I was low in faith, I was just like, man, being a disciple is challenging, you know, and so forth, and this is like sometime last year, and this, you know, this brother studies the Bible, we do light and darkness study, and uh, a few a few of the brothers, of course, were, were pretty faithless during that week, all of us were faithless, I don't know what was happening, uh, and we, we're in this study, it's a Sunday, we have a great church service, then we have an L&D study. And this brother confesses all his sins, right? He had about a five-page sin list. I've never seen a five-page sin list. Back to back. He's like, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that, I did this with this person, this person, that person, this person, over there, over here, over there. We all left that study with the fear of God in our hearts. We were like, no way, we're not falling away, forget that. We're not going to be an instrument of Satan. When, when, when you're involved in Bible studies, when you're active in someone's life, where you want to see this person change, you're going to see how good you have it in, in, the, in the kingdom of God. You're not going to want to fall away. Right? We understand, of course, Jeremiah. You know, a lot of people like to say, hey, well, Jeremiah wasn't fruitful. He wasn't fruitful, but he was preaching. He was doing the work. He was doing the work. Right? So we've got to be a church that does the work. We've got to be a church that fears God. You guys want to be fruitful right there. Awesome stuff. Let's go to Exodus 2020. Point number three, signs that you don't fear God. Exodus 2020. 2020 vision. I like God's humor right there. God saw into the future. He knew the word the world won't fear him. Exodus 2020 says, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. Moses had to warn the people that the fear of God is what keeps you from sinning. Yeah. Not the love of God. People think you not know, loving God is what keeps you away from sin. No, it's the fear of God. That's what keeps you away from sin. And uh, we, we talk about people like David, for example. When he sinned, he feared that God would take away the Holy Spirit from him. He prayed, he's like, God, do not take away your spirit. He, he was afraid because he saw in Saul. So was a man in the beginning, he feared God, but later on, he lost the fear of God. 
and the spirit of God was taken away from him. So David saw all of that. He was like, okay, I see this guy spiritual. He's first of all spiritual. And then later on down the line, he stops fearing God. The Holy Spirit leaves him. And then all of a sudden, his leader starts throwing spears at him. So David knew instantly this guy lost, he, he, he lost his spirit. And David was afraid of that. He was like, man, I do not ever want to lose the spirit of God. And he was afraid of that. So, he lost the fear of God and later on started fearing image. He started, fe he started fearing people. How do we know this? Because at the end of his life, when he was killed, you know, uh, he, he, he was like, man, he, he was so humiliated in, in the way he was taken out that he asked one of his, his armor bearers to kill him. Right? He asked his armor bearers to kill him. We got to make sure, guys, we fear God. Only the fear of God keeps you away from sin. Let's go to Genesis 39. Genesis 39. I know this is a heavy message for you guys. But it's the word of God. <laughs> It's the word of God. Sometimes when you look at the prophets, you know, some of the prophets were liked and some of the other prophets were hated. And today you may leave today liking me or hating me. I love you today. Though. Amen. It's good to have Anna back. It's good to have Anna back. In Genesis 39, we learn about an incredible individual in the Bible. In verse 6 it says, So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Come on, Joseph. I don't know. You do that. We, 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 got, we got a couple of Josephs in the church right there. Some well built and handsome brothers. You know, verse 7 says, And after a while, his wife's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. You know, verse 8, she said, But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. This guy cranks, man. I love Joseph. This guy, Joseph is one of my favorite characters in the whole Bible. First of all, he's well-built and handsome. He liked the gym, which is awesome. You know, the Bible, the, Bible's, the Bible puts that there for a reason. It says, hey, going to the gym is good, guys. The Bible puts it there for a reason. The Word of God is speaking. So, hey, I love Joseph. You got to understand something. All sin is against someone. Joseph knew that if he sinned, he would sin against Potiphar. But most importantly, he knew that his sin would be against God. Him sinning against Potiphar was not what stopped him. It was the fact that he feared God. He knew that, man, if I sin, I'm hurting God with this sin. You know, I, I want you to understand, guys, all sin is against God. You hurt God with your sin. That's the person you hurt the most. And, you know, with him, consistently, the, the, the wife was coming to him every single day. He was tempted every single day. But yet, he didn't give in because he feared God. He didn't fear God. You know, and um, I, I hope, I don't know about you guys, do you ever think about how your sin actually hurts, hurts God? Do you ever think about that, man? You know, I, I'm not standing here from a pedestal of being better than any of you guys. I sin, I fall short like everyone else. Um, you know, and, and, and we, we've got to be at a point where as a church, we understand that we've got to fear God. And the fear of God is what keeps us away from sin. Let's go to Psalm 19. Psalm chapter 19. We learned a few things about the fear of God. In Psalm 19 verse 9, it 
says, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord is sure and altogether righteous. Do you have a pure fear of God? Because sometimes we can have a religious fear of God. The Bible talks about the, the, the fear of God being pure because out there you can have a religious fear of God. But you gotta have a pure fear of God. Let's go to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. We learned something about the fear of God. This is a good one. I like this one. Psalm 118. In verse 4, it says, Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. It says that when you fear God, you're still going to love Him as well. He says it's going to work hand in hand. Don't just fear God and not love Him. Don't just love God and not fear Him. You're going to love God and fear Him as well. You know, and, and I, I grew up in a household where you know, I feel a lot of my, 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 my family members, you know, um, because, you know, if you're cold and you don't do what you're called to do, you get the rod. And, um, you know, so I'm like, okay, I, I was afraid of my grandma. My grandma was, she, she had every trick under the sun to, to discipline me, you know, and uh, I was afraid of her. But I loved her, you know. I wasn't afraid of her to a point I hate her. Now I was like, okay, she's, she's going to whip me if I don't do this, but I still love my grandma right there, right? So he says, you got to fear God and at the same time, you still got to love him. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10 verse 27 it says, The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. I love this. Proverbs 10 27. It says the fear of God makes you live longer. Isn't that awesome? The fear of God makes you live longer. It, it, it says, the fear, you know, it's awesome to go to the gym and awesome, okay, it's great, it's great, you know, you kind of live a little bit longer right there. But it says the fear of God, that's what keeps you living long. It gives you longevity. I love that. The fear of God keeps you alive for a long time. Let's go to Luke 14. Luke 14. We, 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 we got we to gotta see the signs of not fearing God. Luke 14. We saw earlier, of course, that if you have no fear of God, you give in to sin. And now we're going we to have a look at this. Luke 14, verse 15, it says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Bless the man who will eat at the first in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Right? In, in, in modern day terms today, you know, hey, I just bought some new clothes. I'm going to go try them out. Please excuse me. Right? Yeah. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Yeah. 21, the servant came back, reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the woods, the roads, sorry, and country lanes and, and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you that not one of those men who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Right, and over here, we learn something. When you don't fear God, you make excuses. You make excuses to follow Jesus Christ. 
And today, man, we, we live in a world of, man, we, 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 we have perfected excuses, man. We, we, we've mastered, you know, just the art of excuses. You know, and over here, these individuals are so focused on all the things that were happening in their lives. Instead of focusing on following Jesus Christ. And I remember when I was studying the Bible, I made a ton of excuses. I was sharing earlier with one of the girls over here. You know, and uh, man, when I studied the Bible, I was prideful as... I, I don't even know what's more prideful than I was at that time, you know, and I was just prideful, you know, Christine can attest to that, very religious, um, and, you know, I, I didn't want to be taught, so they told me the scriptures, I'm like, hey man, okay, awesome, I'm going to seek out my heart, I'm already doing that, you know, middle of the God, your standards, ready my standard, you know, uh, you're going to be a disciple, I'm already a disciple, but you know you're not, Frank, I am, you know, and all this kind of stuff, so I made a lot of excuses when I signed the Bible, you know, the guys would invite me to Bible talk, I went to Bible talk, and after the Bible talk, they'll say, hey, when I study the Bible, I'm like, no, I can't study the Bible because I got to, you know, do my coursework. Okay. They're like, cool, no worries. Go do your coursework. And then next time, hey, when I study the Bible, no, um, I got to buy some groceries. Um, you know, groceries, you know, I got to eat. If I don't eat, I'll die. So I need to buy groceries. Uh, they're like, okay, okay. They say, hey, come along to church. Ah, oh, I can't come to church. I have no money. You know, um, travel, money, expensive. You know, I made excuses after excuse after excuses, studying Bible. And it came to a point where I was like, you know what? I need to go back to the brothers because I, I was just back in my heaps of sin. I was just back in my sin, back in my masturbation, back in my pornography addiction, back into my lust, back into all the sins. And I was like, you know what? I need Jesus Christ. I'm being religious. I, I need help from all this. I'm, I'm enslaved to my sin. Religiosity is not helping me out in any way whatsoever. And I knew I had to go back to the brothers. I went back to the brothers crying, broken. And I was like, guys, I want to become a disciple. Please look into a disciple. I got baptized that week and it was awesome. It was awesome. What I love is it was a sunny day as well, like this. A sunny day, September 28th, and a Sunday, you know, in Gold Hill Park. It was incredible. You know, uh, I think Christine was there. You know, yeah, I think Christine was there. It was pretty awesome. A few other sisters were there. It was great, great, great day. You know, and uh, and I, I, I just want to ask you guys a question, man. You know, you, you God is calling every one of you guys. God is calling you all. What excuse are you making? You know, sin, sin doesn't lead. Trust me, guys. Sin tastes great. Sin makes you feel good, but then you're gonna feel like trash. It does. It, 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 it's a temporary happiness. You don't. You don't need sin to be happy. You do not need sin at all to be happy, guys. You know, I gotta encourage you. Whose side are you gonna be on? Are you gonna be on the Lord's side? Are you gonna be on the Lord's side? You know, what excuses are you making? You know, and uh, you need to answer the call of God before it's too late. Will be on God's side, then not not any side at all, which is basically Satan's side. Right, you know, uh, and uh, what, what, what I want to help you see is that you actually have absolutely nothing to lose when you follow Jesus Christ. Nothing. You have nothing to lose. Just sin. That's it. That's, you have nothing to lose. Yes, you gain more with Jesus Christ. You gain happiness. You gain peace. You gain healing. You get the forgiveness of your sins. You get certainty. You don't even get afraid of death. Like I, I live every day not afraid of death. That's an awesome feeling. We walk around people. People are afraid of death. Right? Jesus Christ, being with Jesus is awesome. I encourage you guys to not make excuses right there. Let's go to Luke 23. It's not too late. Point number four. It's not too late to fear God. Luke 23. It's not too late, guys, to fear God. Bring it for a close. Luke 23, verse 39. It says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. 
we are punished justly for we were getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, when you look at the, the thief in the cross, he probably had a few seconds left to live. But in that moment, he chose to fear God. He said, you know what? He's messed up a lot of times in his life. And he's about to die. He says, you know what? It's not too late. <laughs> uh, the Son of God is right here. I fear God. And he's like, Son of God, please remember me. Right? Now, I'm not saying, don't try and wait for your last few seconds and you decide to fear God, right? You know, that's a pretty crazy gamble, right? Um, and at the same time, Jesus, he was alive. Mark 2 teaches that he, he had the authority to forgive sin. So if you're trying to wait for the last few seconds of your life and if you fear God and get saved, it's not going to happen because Jesus is not there with you at that time. So over here, Jesus was alive and he said, hey, you will be with me in paradise. So at the word of God, if God himself says, look, dude, you're going to be with me, you're going to be with him, right? Nothing, nothing can stand against that. So we learn simply over here that God is not too late to fear God. It's not too late to fear God, right? I hope today you've been encouraged and you've understood what it means to fear God. The fear of God is awesome. The fear of God, you know, it, it just changes your life. In fearing God, you can fear God and you can love God as well. You can love God as well. And if you're still here today, I encourage you to set your heart to fear God and answer His call. And to God, be all the glory. Thank you for listening to that episode. If you want to stay updated on what we get up to or find more event and service information, visit our website, birminghamicc.org. That is B-I-R-M-I-N-G-H-A-M-I-C-C.org. There you can find all sorts of content, including blog posts and videos. Once again, we thank you for listening to this episode. We'll catch you on the next one.